yeah, so just send it directly to me. Because um, Gra- Graham has no idea what to do with it. So. <laughs> I just talk, I talk shit and do little else. Um, it's great. That's what a podcast is, isn't it? <laughs> it's just talking shit and little else. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this. So welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris, me, Graham Jones. And this week we are talking about Nicolas Cage. It is long overdue, but we're not alone. And I, I'm not just talking about the fact that Nicolas Cage is with us always, but we are joined by Daryl from Cage Rage. Yay, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you may recognize the name Cage Rage because we featured on there recently talking about the What's the correct word to discuss Nicolas Cage's rage? Uh, tw- Film? 2014. <laughs> 2014. Tepid. 2014. 2014 movie, that is. <laughs> rage. Tepid. Um, tepid, I think I'd go with. Tepid. T- t- lukewarm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all right. It's better than uh, the other day I watched on my birthday, because traditionally... I watch a Nicolas Cage film on my birthday because that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. I watched his lowest rated film on IMDb. Ooh. Do you know what that is? Throwing out the Nicolas Cage trivia immediately. Um, I think, is it Deadfall? Has that got 0%? So on Rotten Tomatoes it does. Rotten Tomatoes on, I'm thinking of. On IMDb rating, it's Jiu-Jitsu. Which is one of the worst yet best films i have ever seen it was i i think graham graham walked in halfway through oh and i think you could even enjoy the bat shittery that i was. mean i i saw all of four minutes but included nicholas cage being in the middle of a fight stopping to tell the guy that he's had a lot of time on his hands recently and therefore he makes uh hats out of newspaper puts the newspaper hat on um, and then proceeds to continue fighting. I think I've seen oh. that guy outside my local Aldi. <laughs> Briefly, do you want to discuss Cage Rage, what you're doing, how it's affected your mental health? <laughs> Terribly. Um, yes, I am Daryl Edge. I am the host of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast, uh, where we look at zoo animals. <laughs> and I think like many people during lockdown, I decided, well, I'm a white guy who needs a hobby. Um, <laughs> So, Preaching to the choir. <laughs> yay. <laughs> Niche audience. So I decided it was a, a great idea to start a Nicolas Cage podcast. So I'm on a self-titled Journey to True Cage Nirvana. And this is my uh, desperate attempt to get to know the man a little better by achieving the highest, purest, most spiritual, emotional, physical form of being, which is True Cage Nirvana. can only be achieved by watching all his, his movies. That's the only way to understand the man who I call the golden hog of Hollywood a little bit better. As of recording, I've just started into the year 2014. As we said, we covered Brage Tokarev with you good selves. 2014 is going to be in a bit of a year, but it's about 65, 7, 67 episodes in. So we're getting closer to the end now, which is... Uh... Oh, he's going to keep on going forever. Yeah, but the, the films per year start going up from this point, right? <laughs> Oh, the ratio is just exploded. I mean, 2021 alone, I'm like, Jesus, like that's... Well, you know, I, I turn 30 next week, so that's the first few years of my 30s, sorted. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's seeing me in a nice, nice uh, smooth trajectory upwards. How has it affected my mental health? 
it's nice to have a hobby um, after <laughs> after all these years. It's been very enlightening. This sounds very soppy, but um, film Twitter and podcast Twitter is very nice. There's a lot of nice people on there. Oh, yeah. It really is, isn't it? Really yeah. weird being being nice on Twitter. It's very strange. Very disarming, <laughs> well, especially, I find. Especially, yeah, <laughs> yes. especially that I'm used, I, I'm used to sport and political Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the exact opposite. Yeah, at some point in my mid twenties, my my usual normal Daryl Edge Twitter uh, just became just vitriolic political retweets, and I I just stopped having anything interesting to say a long time ago. If you want to be reinvent yourself, make a film Twitter. Then you like it's like a whole new life. It's like rebirth. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've I'm I'm. I matter, and I've achieved something. <laughs> Dad, take that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you mentioned, I'm glad you brought it up, because I've got it in my notes. I wanted to ask you this question ever since we spoke uh, a few weeks back. Uh, why the golden hog? Um, <laughs> so, so I guess in part it's kind of like a slight reference to It's Always Sunny with Dennis calling himself the golden god. And I was like, well, Nicholas Cage is the golden god, but I can't call him the golden god. And also, it's mostly for the early episodes of the podcast when it was just me, because I didn't really know what I was doing, and I was kind of too scared to ask for guests or anything. I'd have a running feature and try and find a, what part of the film was in reference to his penis. Um, and, <laughs> and him being the MVP of Hollywood, he was therefore the golden hog. Um, and his penis is so powerful, it is solid gold. And it's a name... Well, I'd like to say it's stuck. I'm still using it. No one else is, but I'm, I've got 60 more episodes at least to try and get it to, <laughs> to try and get now, it to now, stick. Now, now I know the context. I am 100% going to be using that phrase more often. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> like early, early, early Nicolas Cage, like he would kind of go in and out of basically softcore porn, right? Yeah. Like, there was a lot of, oh, oh, I think they might actually be fucking. To be fair, like the first 10 episodes, uh, his first 10 movies... There was at one point where he would, and I use this term respectfully, raw dog someone. Um, and then it got to the 90s and the raw dogging really slowed down. And it was just kind of implied. So it's been implied raw dogs from here on out. But... Implied raw dogging, yeah. <laughs> as soon as he started getting like the abs in the mid-90s, it just all... He was really he was really a specimen to behold if you watch his early 80s work when he was like, this like sort of new rat pack, really good looking like young man. It was like him and Johnny Depp just like being nice guys tearing up the town, not getting involved in lawsuits. What a simpler time. Um just hogging the way around Hollywood. Um hence the again <laughs> Golden go, golden hogging their way around go, Hollywood. Golden hogging, it's a level that mortals like us can't even dare dream of. Um am I imagining uh raw dogging in Vampire's Kiss? Or am I not? Oh no, there was because uh, that scene oh, they where, uh, poured yogurt on his feet. Yeah, so apparently that was the only way he could <laughs> act aroused. <laughs> oh god, Nicholas Cage is just the gift that keeps giving. There's so many random trivia points I found while looking through stuff. <laughs> but the obvious, the obvious question on, uh, I think any self-respecting movie podcast who are doing Nicholas Cage, I, I think we have to cover the question: What's your favorite Nicholas Cage film? I I know it's impossible to narrow down to one, so we will take a selection. Oh, it it is it is impossible. I mean, where I am at the podcast in the moment, I suspect there's going to be not a lot that's going to grab my attention until 2018, when we start getting to Mandy and things slowly yeah. start picking up again. That being said, if I can offer a selection, some of them are going to be very obvious. Mandy, I have to throw out there. 
recently pig that's i think that's a top five contender oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. cage echelon adaptation has to be in there as well con air yep and one that i'm joe as well tremendously underrated i will talk yep. about joe at every opportunity but one i really really enjoyed which i was kind of unexpecting just kind of like a, a random sort of dark comedy that came out of nowhere in the mid 2000s was the weatherman um which, oh god, I forgot that exists. Um, which I think is really, really good, and it's one that he's got like a bow and arrow, right? He's got a bow and arrow. Michael Caine is his dad, doing the worst American accent of all time. Um, it was directed by the guy who did like the first three Pirates of the Caribbean films. So we did like Pirates of the Caribbean one, The Weatherman, and then Pirates of the Caribbean two and three. <laughs> it's such a weird deviation, but it's a uh, genuinely quite a funny film, and it's one of those films as well that. And again, I, you often get this like, oh, Cage can't act. He's a hammy. This is the cheesy that. It's one of those, and I hate to use this as a category, um, the remind yourself that Cage can act films. Yes. Um, and it's also a reminder that he can do and does do comedy quite well, in my opinion. I, I, I forgot the Weatherman was a thing. I'm going to have rewatched that within the space of like a week now. <laughs> Pig, like you said, is definitely up there for me. I think it was. I don't want to say, I think people have got a bit more used to the idea that Nicolas Cage is good again. So I'm not sure it was quite the reminder, but it's definitely going to be something I'm shouting around about around Oscar nomination time that it deserves something. Yeah. Adaptation's definitely up there. Face off the Rock Con Air, which I think is just one title <laughs> that you can, you can throw out. Raising Arizona is yes. one of my favorites as well just cuz the it's Nicolas Cage and the Coen brothers. I don't think you can really go wrong with that. Into the Spider-Verse. Of course. And uh, honourable mention, Teen Titans go to the movies because he finally got to play Superman. (laughs) Yeah. Pig and Adaptation are like there for me. But also, fuck you both for not mentioning Vampire's Kiss because Vampire's (laughs) Kiss is just pure art and is without a doubt my favourite Nicolas Cage film. I have to give up my podcast now because I didn't mention it. <laughs> oh yeah, as a, a, as a, as a movie going or a movie watching experience, Vampire's Kiss is definitely up there. I mean, it is another level. You had the, the guy who wrote the musical on your podcast, right? Yeah, uh, Kevin Frolix, um, who's got a, hopefully at some point, got a Vampire's Kiss musical coming out. Amazing. There, there is, there are Google Docs out there you can find with his demos and yeah. like the full script of it. But um, I, I was so obviously pandemic pending. Hopefully, it's something that could be fully formed and brought to um, it's like an Edinburgh Fringe or something. Because a few years ago, I don't yeah. know if you, you heard of it. There was, I believe, a comedian called Rob Kemp who took uh, Evil Dead to the musical to the Edinburgh Fringe, and it was basically a one man production of the Evil Dead Two, but it was set to the music of Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> um it's just like I, I never got to see it myself but it, it was uh, i'd heard good authority on good authority that it was as good as you think as you think it is yeah we we went through a phase of every good bad movie we watched it turned out there had been a musical of it so there's <laughs> oh it's... there's Sh- show showgirls the musical is one of the f- it's uh Never got to see it, because I don't think it ever graced our shores here, but the entire soundtrack's on Spotify, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever listened to. But I think it's the the rule we came up with many an episode ago, was if there's a film, there is an Edinburgh show of it. <laughs> yeah, Pretty without much. a doubt. Question out of nowhere, no one would have bothered thinking about, 
if you had to make a musical of a Nicolas Cage film, what would it be? Oh, there's a question. There's a question. Um, there's, there's a question that I've now frantically tried to think of an answer <laughs> I for. Know, I've, I've, ne- I've never thought of like a Nicolas Cage musical before. I think in some ways maybe adaptation would serve itself to a musical. I think there's enough structure there to make it work. Although I'd love to see a Con Air musical. Um, just, you know, have, have I fleshed it out? Do I know the first thing about musicals? No. My only experience in acting is that I got a GCSE B grade in drama. So, su- <laughs> so suck that. Just something like, put the ball here, back in the box. Or, just, <laughs> or other songs like, throwing Dave Chappelle out an aeroplane. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> it's yeah. I I I I can't look past Connor because you, you could do like a Miss Saigon style. The plane, like, <laughs> comes through the back kind of thing. I think the plane has to it's... have its own song. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would I would go um, National Treasure in the style of Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I, I I like that. I'm not sure I can beat Conair. I mean. Leaving Las Vegas if you want to go really Les Mis style depressing, but I don't think we, given given the year and a half we've all had, I don't think we need a Leaving Las Vegas musical. I mean, I'm just seeing the person playing Nicolas Cage at the front with just like uh, a dancing chorus of cacti behind him going like, we're prickly pears, we're prickly pears. Um, in, like singing over what is otherwise a quite a tragic moment in a tragic film. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I think, that's my dark brain at I, work. Yeah, I, I think I think Vampire's Kiss is the, the they have picked the obvious answer already. Cool. So before we before we go into our choices for films we'd add Nicolas Cage to, uh, I believe Daryl, you have bought us a movie recommendation nobody asked for. I have brought a movie recommendation. I can't even say the word. I'm so excited. <laughs> a recommend a is what I've brought you. It's a deconstructed recommendation. <laughs> Uh, and the film I've brought um, to recommend, before we get into the nitty and indeed the gritty of all of this, is a film that um, I'm not sure we're quite familiar with on the podcast, but it's actually um, quite a little, a niche little Ikea of a piece. It's a, a real smorgasbord of fun. Uh, Midsummer, um, I believe, is a film that we enjoy here. Um, now, this is a film I enjoy so much that, that none of you even told me to recommend it. And I've never even seen it. I'm so confident about it. Um, as far as far as I'm aware, it's what is it, Mamma Mia Three, Midsummer? I don't even know what it's about. I don't know what happens. It just it's, seems like people it, have a lovely it's, it's time. A, it's a it's a quaint little musical number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just seen people in the field having a nice time. Um, they're, they're loving it. Absolutely loving it. <laughs> loving it. And and if you if you had to recommend a Nicolas Cage film to someone. Which Nicolas Cage film would you go for? Uh, that would also be Midsummer. Um, <laughs> uh, that is that is my answer. Lock it in, Chris Tarrant. I don't want to use a lifeline. <laughs> I like it. I, I, to be fair, you know, we're adding Nicolas Cage to Midsummer. Uh, well, we're adding Nicolas Cage to films. Let's add him to Midsummer because why not? Take it. it means I get to Photoshop Nicolas Cage's face onto a Midsummer poster. <laughs> that's that's all I've ever wanted to do. So. <laughs> With, with with that done, then I think that's all the the introductory admin out of the way. So, uh, uh, Graham, I think you're going to lead us off with your first choice. I am indeed. So, Daryl, you mentioned earlier that 2014 wasn't a great year for Nicolas Cage. Uh, not a lot of good films he starred in. I have found one where I think he would slot in 
absolutely perfectly. And that film is It Follows. Uh, so It Follows, if you've seen it, it's a horror movie. The basic plot is that there's this weird unknown entity that kind of stalks its prey relentlessly until it kills them. Um, it literally does follow them, hence the title of the movie. Um, also, it all makes sense now. Quite typically quite slowly as well like it's it's obviously quite disconcerting being followed by a, a weird demon thing but it's it is very slow but that that's 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 the point right like it's not yeah it's just always it's always there it's always it following <laughs> <laughs> the slightly more than basic plot is that the person it's following is determined you guessed it by sexy times so essentially if you're being followed uh, you can pass the following on to someone else by sleeping with them. Um, however, if they get got, then it's back to you. So you want to end up as far down the chain as possible. So I guess you just kind of want to encourage the people you've slept with to sleep with more people. Can can you can you start separate chains? Or one, once it's off you... I don't know why you're the expert on that. <laughs> once, <laughs> once it's off you, is it off you? I think so, like, yeah. I, I, I That would be my assumption. I don't... What would happen in an orgy? Not sure. Yeah, like is is this is this like a kind of like a train junction scenario or a thing scenario? The the two common scenarios we have to face in day to day life. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I think whichever station you enter first is where it's going. So train. Because cool. it's obviously the film is obviously an allegory for uh, the London Underground. The London Underground. <laughs> good, good for us to know. And weird demonic STIs. Boo the London Underground. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also kind of a weird demonic STI. So the 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 demon thing takes on like different shapes and personas depending on each person it's following, and this is this is quite key to where we're going. So the film it follows this plot point, but with like a bunch of university students, and essentially their quest to not get followed by shagging around. But Graham, I hear you cry. Graham! Nicolas Cage is 57 years old. Even with <laughs> Nicolas Cage is 57 years old. Even with his novo shamanic acting talent, surely he can't play an act- a university student. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be correct, because I am recasting Nicolas Cage as the STI demon. And each time it appears... It will appear <laughs> somewhat different. It will be a different Nicolas Cage persona from films gone by. So what I'm hearing is you are giving his raw dogging etiquette corporeal form and making it evil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You bastard. <laughs> How dare you take this from me. <laughs> the golden raw dogging hog has gone rogue. <laughs> Um, (laughs) put that on the the poster (laughs) so I've picked five Nicolas Cage demons Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw them out there you guys let me know if you have any you know if if you can up them if you think I've missed anyone so first of all obviously first and foremost we've got Peter Lowe from Vampire's Kiss he'd be screaming the ABCs as he follows whoever he's tailing whilst dragging a massive stake of wood in his arms um, Caster Troy, uh, just his face permanently locked in that grin, um, and obviously he'd be dressed in the priest robes because I feel like that's a little bit more intimidating. I've not seen Mandy, but I've seen pictures of Cage and Mandy. Therefore, Red Miller is going to be one of the demons. <laughs> Should we? Is 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 now a good time to talk about where you're going to watch Mandy for the first? Or let let's let's be more specific with the question. 
when when you're going to watch Mandy when for the and first where. time. Yeah, so yeah. we've um, we've booked in. Is it two weeks time? Twenty fifth of September. We are doing the Nicolas Cage All Nighter at the Prince Charles Cinema, which starts at nine p.m. It finishes roughly about nine a.m. and Mandy is on at about six in the morning. Mandy is the last film, <laughs> so Graham gets to experience because that's the only way to describe Mandy. You'll get to experience Mandy while delusional from sleep deprivation. I cannot the, wait. The, the way the film was intended. <laughs> so yeah, despite not having seen it, I'm going to include Red Miller because I I think pictures tell me I should. Big Daddy from Kickass because I think that would be funny. And then um, Edward's Malice from The Wicker Man. He's got the bee helmet on and he's just yelling <laughs> the entire time about bees whilst chasing you down. <laughs> Is there anyone I've missed? That's a, oh, God. That's I mean, great selection of I, demons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Mandy one would flat out scare me, I think. Could you, would you, are you just sticking to Cage or would we also have like just his character from The Croods? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you just you know you're being followed, and you look up, and there's just an animated caveman walking towards you. That'd fuck you up. <laughs> did he? Did he? Did, I I was joking about it earlier, but I'm fairly sure he voiced a guinea pig. Uh, in G, um, he was a star-nosed mole in G Force. Ah, he was a mole. Okay, <laughs> of course he was a star. <laughs> it was the star-nosed mole. The same voice as his character in Peggy Sue got married, which is very very nasally. So he, uh, he kept that one in the bank for about 35 years and then pulled it out again. <laughs> to play a mole. <laughs> to, to play an evil mole. So evil mole, I would put an evil mole there. Yep. The question then back to you is, would it be a normal mole sized? Yeah, I think it, I think it should be because yeah. that, that, like a massive mole, you'd notice and you should get it checked by a doctor. A little, little skin cancer joke for you there. Nice. <laughs> That's what I listened for. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a load of fucked up Nicolas Cages that could follow you. I watched um, just just to name drop as many different events and places as we can. I went to Fright Fest and got to watch Prisoners of the Ghostland, which is if you've ever thought, hmm, I do like Nicolas Cage, but I think I'd enjoy it more if we had bombs attached to his testicles. <laughs> then do I have the movie for you? So yeah, him in his weird like leather fitting bomb clad outfit from that would be a good one as well. Nice. And which uh, uh, any any we've missed, Daryl? Um, I think any classic I'd, cages. I mean, I'd almost be tempted to say the Willy's Wonderland, the janitor cage, because he doesn't say anything. He's just this Mortal Kombat badass that KOs people, and then you'll only hear him coming because either he's playing a pinball machine on break or he's cracking open a can of his uh, his punch energy drink. So he's always got the energy to raw dog, um, <laughs> which is. <laughs> Which is exactly what you want if you are a, a demon that does that very thing. Maybe very literally. And play pinball. <laughs> maybe very literally. Ghost Rider, a flaming hogger. <laughs> to, to, throw, to throw that out there into the universe. Because in the second Ghost Rider film, he does literally piss fire, which suggests that he does have. Well, obviously, it's just there's no bones. So therefore, he couldn't have a penis. But it must be like a flaming hog. <laughs> well, I mean, go, go, if if he's if his anatomy follows, um, it would just be the head that's on fire. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Fucking hell, Ghost! I Ghost Rider is a film that I one of my favorite Nicolas Cage things to watch is the behind, the, like the pre visual effects stuff from Ghost Rider, 
because it is just it just feels like it's just Nicolas Cage being himself. <laughs> <laughs> just like with dots on his face just screaming down a camera it's, lens. It's harrowing if you've seen the picture. It's just if Nicolas Cage went to the gathering of the juggalos. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Monstrous imagery. And I love it. I love every part Fuck, of it. Fucking miracles, man. <laughs> and and that is the end of my insane clown posse knowledge. Same. They pissed Eminem off once and that's that's all I know. But yeah, I don't think there's too much more to it, to be honest. Nicolas Cage is a walking SDI demon who slowly pursues his prey whilst manifesting his different Nicolas Cage personas from across the years. It's basically the unbearable weight of massive talent, but a bit more STI demony. My first choice. So I try to figure out like what I enjoy about Nicolas Cage in films. And the first thing that comes to mind is like the patented Cage freakout. I a lot of people, especially I think our our digital age, uh, has seen there is a great YouTube compilation which is at least 50% Vampire's Kiss of just Nicolas Cage freakouts. <laughs> yes. So I, it is the cornerstone of what I will now refer to as Cajian cinema. So, well, I guess it's nouveau shamanic, but I'm going to stick with Cajian. So obviously we have the Wicker Man's, well, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh no, not the bees, not the bees. Ah, oh, they're in my eyes, my eyes. Ah, ah. <laughs> walla walla bing bang. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what, what, one of my favourites from Matchstick Men, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beaten till you've pissed blood? Which he shouts in a pharmacist <laughs> to this random person. Deadfall is full of them. There is one where he just screams fuck for, I think, a good solid five, ten seconds. Oh, yes. It's just a proper fuck. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss, uh, uh, a quote, Daryl, from your theme song, you are more than familiar with. <laughs> you just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order you know and then Nicolas Cage shouts the entire alphabet it's one of one of I think cinema's defining moments I think it's uh, everybody remembers the first time <laughs> they hear Nicolas Cage shout the alphabet you also have Vampire's Kiss where he just screams uh, vampire's kiss where he jumps on top of the table uh, or vampire's kiss when he runs through the streets shouting i'm a vampire i'm a vampire or vampire's kiss when he starts just crying in a basement or vampire's kiss when he crawls under and i could i could keep this hilarious <laughs> bit going for a very long time so that then made me thought right so if i want nicholas cage in a film i have to have a film that has a good freak out scene that Nicolas Cage can dive into. So that then sent me into the internet hole of searching for movie freak out scenes, which is great because every single list I went to had either Vampire's Kiss or The Wicker Man or both. Every without fail, every single one. Honorable mention to Downfall, I just don't think it's appropriate to cast Nicolas Cage as Hitler. Like Robert Carlyle has played him. <laughs> But I'm not sure Nicolas Cage, I don't think it would be seen as what I'm assuming will be a great performance, but I think the internet would run a bit too wild I think he'd, with that one. I think he'd do the thing, you know where he was, was it at Seth Rogen's house, where he was like saying that he he wanted to play this like Rastafarian in this movie that he was casting, what had nothing to do with the 
movie or the characters. Oh, and wanted to tattoo his hair? Wanted to tattoo his hair on. I just like yeah. I think he'd be cast as Hitler, but he'd be like, yeah, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna play him like you know completely different. <laughs> I always imagined Hitler with a Cajun accent. <laughs> that that cool with you guys? <laughs> so falling down. There is a great scene in Falling Down where Michael Douglas pulls a gun out when he's uh, refused breakfast because he orders two minutes after they've stopped serving, which I don't know about you guys, but I can kind of sympathise with. Yeah. The end of Planet of the Apes. I can see Nicolas Cage falling to his knees in front of the Statue of Liberty, shouting, damn them, damn them all to hell. Chevy Chase's freak out in National Lampoon's Winter Vacation. Have you guys seen that? No. It's like, it's like the, the must in America. It is like one of the cornerstone Christmas movies. But over here, hardly anybody seems to have watched it. But it's got the incredible line, I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty lipped, worm headed sack of monkey shit he is. <laughs> Which it's it's beautiful. Ralph Fiennes is you're an inanimate fucking object from in Bruges. Like, nice. I would I would have Nicolas Cage as any of the roles in that, possibly even doing a Gary Oldman and playing the dwarf. <laughs> and he would and he, he would he, he 100% would for for this choice we are going to 1987 so we obviously have the choice where either we we send a Nicolas Cage back in time but I'm not sure we would have to because 1987 is proper vampires kiss territory so he would have either just made it and it was about to be released or he was just about to go into making it so that's the kind of Nicholas Cage we're looking at. I am talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. So I want to drop Nicholas Cage in as the Steve Martin character. Planes, trains, and automobiles, it's a John Hughes movie. Nicholas Cage will be playing Neil Page, a marketing executive trying to return home from a business trip in New York back to his family in Chicago for Christmas. And there's a storm and shit goes down and he ends up teaming up with John Candy's Del Griffith, who is a traveling salesman who sells shower rings. But there is a scene where it's a minute long and it is the entire reason the film isn't a PG-13, because he says the words fuck 18 times. Yes. So I want Nic- the only reason I want Nicolas Cage in this is to say this kind of like monologue bit. Like the Steve Martin character is the entire point of him is he is just like a barely concealed ball of rage throughout the entire film. And it's just kind of bubbling and occasionally you get outbursts. And that just seems to be Nicolas Cage's MO. <laughs> so the the line in question is uh you can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks, then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Daxon, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there, and I really don't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to get back here to have you smile in my fucking face. I want the fucking car right fucking now. That's a Nicolas Cage freakout. It's right there. It was there in front of us the whole time. The, the whole time. Like there were there were a couple of interesting casting what ifs for planes, trains, and automobiles, but Nicolas Cage unfortunately was 
kind of one of them. So Tom Hanks was originally wanted to play the Steve Martin character, which I don't think would have worked because Tom Hanks is too nice. He's not a big enough bastard, is he? Yeah, because one of the... Have you watched Play Trains and Automobiles, Daryl? Uh, I know of it. I think I might have seen it maybe 20-odd years ago and not been old enough to understand it, but it, it's there somewhere in the novel. Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what you think because the first time I watched it, I loved it. It's, it is a classic comedy. It is very, very funny. But the more I watch it, once you know kind of all the jokes that are coming, you're just kind of sitting there going, you know what? Steve Martin is an absolute piece of shit, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the character is just yeah when you aren't laughing because you know the joke you focus on what he's doing it's like oh no he's just a dick he's just this is just a film about a bellend who met john candy <laughs> it's 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 not that it's, it's not even that it's like aged badly you know it's not like trading places or something like that it's just he's a colossal bellend so tom hanks was wanted for him john travolta was wanted for the john candy role so I'm counting that as at least Nicolas Cage adjacent. Half a cage, at least. Half yeah. a cage. We'll, we'll throw in John Travolta with Nicolas Cage's voice. And John Travolta is the one that I'd want. You want blah, blah, do, 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 honey. I see what you did there. Nicolas Cage in Greece, I would also... Because, I mean... Nicolas Cage in Greece would be phenomenal. <laughs> we should have we, we we covered this in the intro, really, but the actual answer to the question films we'd add Nicolas Cage to is... All films. <laughs> there, this was a very difficult one to narrow down because every film I want to add Nicolas Cage to. I mean, I went, but, I went down the route of you know potentially TV series as well. So I think I mentioned to you earlier. Um, oh yeah, Nick, Nick and Morty would be great. Yes, give me all of that. And then you just started searching like Ick in IMDb, yeah. hoping <laughs> other puns would come up. <laughs> I want him on the Great British Bake Off. Oh my god! Oh god! I want to see him tackle was... some dough. Yeah, just him talking about soggy bottoms. <laughs> no, I'd want him. To, I wanted to see him have like a James Acaster style meltdown. He's fu- fucked up his flapjacks. Is that started baking it? Had a breakdown. Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs> we were. Uh... We're hundred percent giving you a list of things to say in a Nicolas Cage accent. <laughs> well, it's that, that, that it's that accent that won me a pig gift set a few weeks ago. I know I know I had a I had a pig apron and a pig wooden spoon. I was very very jealous about that. <laughs> but yeah, I think for the what you want from Nicolas Cage is the. I mean, we talked about it at length on the Rage episode. One of the problems with Rage is you didn't have enough Nicolas Cage rage. Yeah. Yes. And playing trains and automobiles, you get a proper freak out. You get him like. The, the cageness barely concealed underneath everything. And I just think it would work. I I like it. And John Candy's great. I mean, any any excuse to watch a film with John Candy in. Absolutely. I'm with that. Uh, kind of. I almost want, like, just a John Candy and Nicolas Cage film now. I'm just thinking of some way to not horrendously and not whitewashingly slot him into cool runnings. He could play the bobsled. Or the, or the lucky egg. <laughs> Just like Nicolas Cage, like, starting the slow clap. <laughs> well, the, actually, the slow clap is the plot to It Follows. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Bit of STI here before you there. <laughs> um, I, mentioned, I mentioned it before, so... Uh, 
a freak out choice I was going to pick. Did you know Nicolas Cage was originally wanted for Dumb and Dumber? Yes, and he turned it down to do Leaving Las Vegas, I believe. Yeah, so they wanted it to be Nicolas Cage and Gary Oldman. One of Hollywood's greatest what-ifs. It is up there with any other trivia that involves the phrase Nicolas Cage was going to be in. (laughs) But I I think that that would have been just a completely different film, but I would have watched the shit out of it. Um, You you appear to be so overwhelmed by the premise here that you (laughs) literally froze. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. It happens. It it just makes you think because now we've got on you know you know hashtag not an ad. We've got Disney Plus now going through the What If Marvel series. If there was a cage What If of um of of these could have should haves would haves um I think like I say you know Cage and Gary Oldman and it makes me think as you you may or may not know all the all the roles that he was gonna have but didn't get or turned down. Dumb and Dumber being one. Him being Shrek, him being Aragorn in Lord of the Rings. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's articles out there you can find of all these roles that he nearly had. This was when Cage was at peak Cage stardom, following Leaving Las Vegas, following Con Air and his celebrity stardom rise in sort of the late 90s and early 2000s. And for a time, there were very serious conversations in which we very, very nearly had. Nicholas Cage as Aragorn, King of Men, Strider himself, um, which is, you know, unleash the Cage Cup is what I'm saying here. I think ultimately he turned it down because he didn't want to be away from his family for that amount of time. Um, so he did a lot of non uh, Lord of the Rings adjacent things. So if he would have been filming in the late 90s, that means he would have been doing the likes of a. Uh, I mean, maybe Con Aaron Faceoff at the time, Snake Eyes, 8mm, Bringing Out the Dead. Um, so some decent 90s films, so he didn't turn it down for nothing. But just the idea of Cage turning to us in Return of the King and going, for Frodo, and then just <laughs> charging at the hordes of like orcs and Urukai, which just would have been magnificent. Um, and I say, if that is not... And obviously we're not getting him as Joe Exotic anymore, as we touched upon when we talked about Rage and Tokarev. Um, heartbreaking. If you, if you turn up the volume on the episode, you can hear the moment my heart breaks. <laughs> I think, and I hope I've, I've not had a stroke in saying this, I feel like he was in contention for Neo of, of The Matrix at some point. I think he might have nearly or was in the conversation to be Iron Man before Robert Downey Jr. at one point as well. Fucking hell. Imagine the the Marvel Universe being built on Nicolas Cage's back. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the like the, the one you have to nail. The first Iron Man that's going to set up the the franchise for the next ten plus years. Um, and I'm not saying that he couldn't have done it. Obviously, he could have. Done it. Obviously, he could have done. It. Obviously, he could have done it. Um, uh, which, oh, man, like uh, the things that could have been. Just That's just fascinating yeah, we, to me. We we need this Nicolas Cage What If series. That is now my big takeaway from this episode. Yep. <laughs> Dear, <laughs> dearest Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at the other ones. He was almost Randy the Ram Robinson in The Wrestler instead of Mickey Rourke. I think he turned it down because he... Ooh. I think he said something about... um. He didn't have enough time to achieve the look of a wrestler who was on steroids. I mean, fair. 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 Who of us does. He... He would have been very good in that, to be fair. I, I think. I mean, he would have been very good in everything we talked about, but yeah. 
and actually that particular not similar type of film but Birdman I think he could have been a, a done a good I was very clo- I was very close to having that as one of my choices <laughs> you know how they wanted that film to end no um you turn to the you turn to the corner and Johnny Depp is there um talking to Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow what? So the the idea was that Johnny Depp's going through a similar like crisis as Michael Keaton is. Fair enough. So there was um, just yeah. just potentially an infinite amount of middle aged actors who were going through the same <laughs> turmoil. Who were just going to meet on the yeah. street. This would be like like a middle aged Avengers in a way. Um, just in cage turns up Johnny Depp, um, Keaton's there as well. Let's throw Val Kilmer in. Why not? I mean, all of the Batman. Yeah. Get Christian Bale in there. George Clooney can rock up. Adam West pops out of a sewer. I don't know. It was... <laughs> All works. Will Arnett just at the back going, oh, I was in Lego Batman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, place trains and automobiles. Caged. And, uh, and over to you, Daryl, for your, for your choice. <laughs> what a full stop. When, when you, um, you know, sort of gave the topic to me, what film was doing, would you sort of add Nicholas Cage to? This was. This took me a longer time to sort of think of two films than I thought it would take. So um, I was going back and forth a few things. I was like, oh, do I just do I, do I go the lazy route and sort of pick one of these that he's, he's on record that he's turned around? I was like, no, I'm not doing justice. I'm not doing justice. So well, Plus he, he, he was in justice. Plus he was in justice. <laughs> um, so like this, the two of them that I've picked, um, the, the, it was like one day I was just at work and it was like, Yes. So in, in the same way, it was kind of, I think, bouncing off... God, I sound like I'm in like a middle management business meeting, but bouncing <laughs> off the back of what you said in your, uh, in your previous bit there, Ian. We're just going to circle back. <laughs> circle back to... Uh... <laughs> Automation. Um, another such buzzword. <laughs> it was like what... You know, I think certain films, I guess you expect a certain something out of Cage, and it's what's, what is a film that could, I suppose, meet Cage? Because I think there's... um. An issue with a number of Cage films when you either get too much Cage or you don't get enough Cage, and it takes a certain script, a certain director to sort of meet Cage. You know, sometimes Cage is a scene stealer, sometimes you've got to rein him in, some directors don't know how to do that, for better or worse. So I was like, what is a film where you could sort of put Cage in there and he wouldn't be out of place, that the film matches that madness, that sort of, that just bizarre intensity and to bring sort of the second horror film sort of the, of, of our pickings today, uh, it would be the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, which I, I rewatched earlier today just to get it sort of fresh in the brain. And not that I'm saying that Cage would be one of sort of the victims. I think he would he would just make sense as part of the Sawyer family, one of these cannibals, that unbridled energy, that madness, those fucking cannibal lunatics. So I suppose if we have to synopsisize Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's five friends who head out to rural Texas to visit the grave of a grandfather. They stumble on a deserted house, only to get uh, systematically bashed and metaphorically raw-dogged as the film progresses and rewatching it again today obviously it's such a uh monumental and pivotal horror film that really sort of changed the trajectory this is sort of you know coming off the back of george a romero changing the game with the night of the living dead um 
and then we're sort of past the point here where it's where, where horror films are kind of like that hammer stuff and it's an Eastern European folklore if it's or it's an alien trying to attack a planetary space traveling family of posh white people I guess it just it was it was the first one that didn't feel campy yeah 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 it, it was one that was genuinely and in some respects still is actually quite frightening for just how unbridled and off the chain it is and I'm, and I'm not saying that you know cage should necessarily play leatherface i think you need to have the full cage experience there i think we leave gunnar hansen as leatherface although i've just got the imdb up now and it's just a picture of gunnar hansen just now as he is like in his 70s or whatever and he looks <laughs> so like george lucas it's actually disturbing um <laughs> to, to, to google for that one <laughs> google it immediately but something else that sort of locked this sort of choice in as well. Um, Holy shit, that is just George Lucas. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, when he's not, you know, farting around with raw dog and Ewoks and whatever it is he does, he's... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's yeah. frightening. It's a frightening accuracy. And obviously, we, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's kind of one of those franchises that the first one was so beloved by sort of horror fans and film fans. And then the rest of the series kind of went off of the rails and it was just trying to recapture the energy of the first one, but they never could. And it was just, excuse me, just like bullshit and bullshit and remakes and reboots and prequels and sequels and a weird, nonsensical timeline as with the Halloween films now. But if you kind of look at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, the new generation, and this is kind of, this is one of those castings that you don't realise it, like a very early... Matthew McConaughey was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 as like a very young actor. I think he'd just done, was he Dazed and Confused? I, don't quote me on that. I, th- I think I think Dazed and Confused was his first thing. I think it was just after that. I think I watched an interview and he was like, um, I was supposed to ride out to Hollywood and then they got a car. So he's just supposed to turn up on a bike, sort of give Rene Zellweger uh, the hog wink, as I call it. It's not the full roar, but it's, it's a sheath, but it's the insinuation. Yeah. Of dogging. It's a, it's a, it's a bronze hog. <laughs> it's the ghost of future Christmas hog future. Um, and he was supposed to turn up right away, and then he sort of picks her up at the end. But then they were asking him, you know, oh, do you know anyone who could sort of play this role as this sort of um, brother of cannibal, this crazy man? And eventually he took it himself. And if you watch the film now, you can, you know, it's not a good film by any stretch of the imagination. It's just another trashy tie-in. But Matthew McConaughey is a fucking lunatic. And this is one of those films that isn't necessarily memed, but there is a clip of his character jumping off of a roof onto the back of a pickup truck and making this noise like, Mayo! What is that fucking noise? <laughs> I don't have a fucking clue. But um, if you want to talk about an actor who can give you sort of that full energy, a stupid noise that means nothing, but we accept it. If there was an actor that was going to fit in to the Sawyer cannibal family, it's it's Nicolas Cage. I can just see him around that dining table going, you're fucking cut your head off, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and swinging a hammer around himself. And it was just, it made sense. And I, I think it's a, a, a travesty we, we haven't had it. I think, I think you've stumbled onto something here. I, I can't think of a Matthew McConaughey film I wouldn't put Nicolas Cage into. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Like, they're, they're, they're two sides of a very similar fucked up coin. <laughs> um, I can. Dallas Buyers Club. Apart from <laughs> Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> uh, well, but you could, I could, uh, 
Weirdly enough, another film that popped up while I was trying to think of stuff. Do you remember Reign of Fire? The awful dragon movie? Uh, the incredible dragon movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale versus dragons. Post-apocalyptic yes. dragons. That was, a, that was a film that existed. Ahead yeah. of its time to put dragons in the future. Oh. I am, um, yeah, I, I like this. Des- destroyed I... London, sir. Oh, sir. Oh. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favourite, like, like, classic horror movies. Um, and funny enough, last time I watched it was at the end of a horror all-nighter at the Prince Charles at about six o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> so also on uh, Sleepless Delirium. But it's just, it's um, that scene where they're all, where they're all sat around the table and Grandpa starts sucking the blood off the, her, the cut on her finger and the whole hammer and the... Oh, it's just... It's so fucked up. It's such a good film. And so you're, you're saying, like, the crazy brother is, like, the Nicolas Cage replacement? Yeah, he could definitely be... I mean, I don't even know what the family ties are. I think it's expensive. Cousins, brothers, lovers, whatever. It's Texas. Do what you want. <laughs> I, think, I think every subsequent sequel seems to have a new unexplained brother or cousin anyway to replace the last one who had died in a previous film. So you could realistically slot him into any of the Texas films and then just, just it would just make sense because I think there's that realism there. Like it's a thing that could happen because it's obviously all loosely based on the sort of the horror of Ed Gein. And, but I think he, he, he just wouldn't have been out of place there at all. It would, it would have been a casting that would, oh, you God, would no. not question. And I'd be absolutely on board seeing it. I mean, he doesn't do, until recently, he doesn't really dabble in horror or the macabre that much. I think he had Paying the Ghost in 2015, which isn't that great. And we've had a bit more recently with the likes of Mandy, kind of outer spacey horror with Colour Out of Space. That was weird. Colour Out of Space is a genre of film I like to call immediately wikipedia the plot <laughs> i watched it i enjoyed it i had no idea what the fuck was going on <laughs> it's uh, all i know is that llamas are the future um based on that film until they become gelatinous and then there's no there's no marketability in a gelatinous llama yeah and if anyone anyone lis- if anyone listening is wondering uh, the color out of space is purple <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, I watched that with my partner and she's an art teacher and and she immediately she just went, it, it's magenta. <laughs> and, <laughs> so that was that argument was put to bed. Um, film off immediately. Fun fact as well that this is it was the last film Ian and I saw in the cinema pre-pandemic. So for a good eighteen months we hadn't seen a film in the cinema that wasn't Color Out of Space. <laughs> Outstanding. What yeah. a film to go out on. Oh yeah, I, I, I stand by it. It's a great choice. So very very good, solid choice, I think. Yeah, I think I'm 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 committed to it. I'm sticking with it. I believe in it. Nice. Yeah, I I, def- I definitely need to give Texas Chainsaw Massacre another go because it, it kind of suffered a bit from like Nightmare on Elm Street syndrome, where all I can really remember are the latest ones I watched, and those were all just dirt. I can't remember a lot of the first one. <laughs> yeah, the first the first one's very good. I don't think I've seen too many. It also has gone through a similar cycle of like, you know how horror movies, I think we've spoken about this quite a lot on the podcast, but horror movies go through these weird, weird naming conventions the longer the series goes on. 
So I think the most recent one was just called Leatherface, which was like a prequel to a, something else that was direct to Stars TV or something. Um, I'm fairly sure there was one just called, again, horror moving, uh, horror movie naming convention, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, it's it's it sounds about right. Um, just kept messing with sort of the timeline, and they tried to, I think, make Leatherface a bit too sympathetic by the time the film series had gone on a bit much. Ah, that's that's Halloween syndrome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do the same thing with Mike yeah, Myers, sort of changing the the characters and the timeline to get messy. I mean, I, I looked it up earlier, and we, with all the films now, just you've got obviously the '74 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then you've got sequels to that, and then you've got modern reboots, and you've got at least one film which is a sequel to the original, and you've got a new one coming out which is a sequel to the original, but. You're not counting any of the parts in between. You've got sort of in-between films which aren't really supposed to be related to anything. Well, that's technically a reboot, but also a sequel. Um, it's very, very messy. Oh, that's... Sorry, I, I, as you said that, I managed to pull up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. That is proper Halloween, because the sequel they're releasing now, which is a direct sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. We also... Yes. Got a got a nice three D instalment as well back in twenty thirteen because you know that was a thing that we had to have all the time. I don't think I ever saw. I think I saw maybe two three D films when that was the rage. I think I saw one of whichever Saw film was in three D. Um, I, I believe I believe that was Saw three D. Me and my partner went to see it, and I think I'd seen more Saw films than I gave that I, I thought I had. But basically, because I didn't really know what was going on, because it's one of those films that you have to kind of follow all... You have to kind of sin all seven of them to that point oh. to get it. And two of the main characters look exactly the same. Exactly. And Ian, as you, as you might sympathise here, I, mean, I don't want to speak for your, you know, your eyesight, but me, as, as a four-eyes myself, when I with 3D glasses, I have to wear them over my usual glasses, uh, because you can't get 3D glasses on prescription. It makes sense. But then any time like a swinging saw blade was coming out, I would just go to my girlfriend, whoa! <laughs> um, and I was having far more fun than that film. And I was shushed at least once. Um, so screw you, the saw films. <laughs> <laughs> so which Texas Chainsaw are we locking in? Are we just going Massacre or are we going the Matthew McConaughey one? Um, I think if we, if we lock in the first one, just to make it nice and simple, you know, I think every film has got its own. It's one the craziest uh, yeah. sibling. So I think, for the sake of simplicity, if we lock in 1974, um, even though Cage would have been about seven at the time, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's it's absolutely that, fine. That adds a whole different vibe to it. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you had a seven-year-old cannibal as part of that setup, I mean, that would have been even more fucked up. Oh, sorry, you would, would have been 10, so it's fine. It's fine. Double digits. Double digits. <laughs> this is technically a film, and I'm, I'm going to stick with it being a film, because if it's not a film, then it doesn't work in the concepts of what we're doing. It's, I've gone quite zeitgeisty with this choice, so I think at the moment you'd probably struggle to uh, scroll through Instagram uh, without one of the songs from this film popping up behind a video. Even Ian made one with my dog. 
to the Jeffrey Bezos song in the background. The punchline to that video was, Graham's dog often sits and masturbates. <laughs> Your dog's a freak and I love it. It's, he, he, he makes eye contact with you, and like he's a French bulldog, so he will sit back like he's a person. And he'll just stare and then just lightly slap the tip of his dick. <laughs> I said, like, that's not how you do it. <laughs> no. All right, creeps. Respect the French uh. bullhog. Um. <laughs> Parlez-vous les hog, as they say. <laughs> so I am, of course, referencing the lockdown masterpiece that is Bo Burnham's Inside. So for... For the one person listening that maybe hasn't seen Inside, because I'm fairly sure everyone has, it is um, Bo, Mur- Bo Burnham's uh, one-man show from basically the spare bedroom of his house in LA, in which he's tried oh, to... to get the the guest house. The guest house, yeah. Let's, let's not pity the millionaire too much. <laughs> <laughs> and he's basically, I guess, tried to capture isolation as a result of the pandemic how it's impacted him how it's been impacted his creativity there's lots of really cool experimental lighting in it it's full of funny catchy songs i guess it's kind of the study of one man psyche who probably isn't okay gonna throw it out there it's it, it's a whilst it's enjoyable it does leave you thinking mm, is, is is Bo all right <laughs> now with Nicolas Cage's version of Inside. I don't want like a shot for shot remake. I don't necessarily even want Nicolas Cage singing the songs from Inside, which, although would be fantastic, wouldn't be Nicolas Cage's Inside. I think the material's really personal, and I don't know that Nicolas Cage knows a lot about white women's Instagrams. <laughs> so, essentially, what I want to happen here is I want to give Nicolas Cage a camera. 18 months of isolation and just to see what the fuck comes out the other side i can only begin to imagine um and just to set the scene i know we've talked about a few of these in the past but some of the endeavors that nicholas cage has gone on some of the interesting facts we have about him i think will really just kind of give a flavor as to what we might get out of something where we have given him a camera for 18 months and, and nothing else so Currently, he lives with a crow named Hugin, I think is how you pronounce it, um, named after one of Odin's ravens. Sorry, who, I, he... sorry I, I thought you just said Nicolas Cage lives with a crow. Uh, <laughs> he, he cares deeply for him. He often converses <laughs> with him. Um, apparently, the crow often says hi and bye as he enters and exits rooms. Um, and also, in, a, in an interview with GQ, uh, he recently mentioned how the crow started laughing at him and apparently called him an arsehole. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, follow, follow up question there, Graham, just over here. Um, when who leaves a room? Nicholas Cage. Okay. Just wanted to check that it wasn't the crow says goodbye when the crow flies out. I mean, of that the room. also may happen. Because I'm not sure. This, this, let's drop everything. This is the film we need to write. <laughs> It's like a buddy cop thing of yeah, Nicolas Cage and his crow solving crime. Yeah, if there's, if there's one celebrity that Louis Theroux needs to talk to, it's, it's Nicolas Cage. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. But he, he would need more than a weird <laughs> weekend. He'd need a weird fortnight. You can't get to the bottom of Cage in a weekend. You can't do it. <laughs> Following on the, um, the animal trope so we might see some of these in in the uh in nicholas cage's version of inside um he also previously 
owned a two-headed snake, which he refused to be exploited by Werner Herzog on Bad Lieutenant. Apparently he really wanted the two-headed snake to be in the movie. Nicolas Cage refused, felt that it was exploitation of his snake that he wanted to keep private. He has owned, or I don't know if he's owned or owns, um, a pair of King Cobras, which have actively tried to kill him. Previously owned an octopus, which I'm assuming is dead now, which obviously he studied for acting help, and also a crocodile. Yeah, because it's dead, is that why we're not getting Nicolas Cage's <laughs> octopus teacher? <laughs> Perhaps. Nicolas Cage's octopus teacher would be um, extremely... I mean, have you have you seen my octopus teacher, uh, Daryl? Um, no, I don't believe I have. Give, give us the Cliff Notes version, Greg. <laughs> so it's a Netflix documentary about a guy who um, kind of befriends this octopus in the ocean he keeps going keeps going back out to the ocean every day filming you know it's it's really quite interesting but and it's a big but is this guy really gives off the vibe that he wants to fuck the octopus <laughs> like there's no there's no two ways about it he yes. he's not the octopus's i mean if he's the octopus's teacher it's a very inappropriate teacher student relationship outstanding Fuck, fuck that fuck that octo <laughs> back to back to nicholas cage um who i who you know for if any of the lawyers are listening i don't believe nicholas cage fucked his octopus that wouldn't surprise me so he's as we know nicholas cage is quite flippant with his money hence all of the movies he made in the early 2010s and look we all bought stupid shit online during lockdown right and nothing else to spend our money on so i'm thinking we'd get some interesting purchases rocking up at the door Whilst whilst Cage is in lockdown, you know he's got previous. He's got some. He's bought some pygmy shrunken heads. Um, he's bought a tomb in New Orleans, a sixty-seven million-year-old Tarosaurus skull, which he outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for. A three point four five million murder mansion in New Orleans, um, and the Shah of Iran's Lamborghini. My, my favorite thing with all of this is a lot of these purchases were before the whole tax issue, so these are things he would have had to have explained to his accountant. It's just a, sorry, Nicholas Cage. This says dinosaur skull. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dinosaur skull. Just needed it. Ties the room together. It also so it turned out that it was like um, it was a dinosaur skull that had um, come from the black market. So it wasn't like even a legit. Well, it was a legit in the sense that it was an actual dinosaur skull. But apparently, there's a black market for dinosaur bones. Who knew? But yeah, I think honestly, even if this this just turned into like an hour and a half. Of Nicolas Cage unboxing his lockdown purchases. <laughs> he starts a YouTube channel and unboxing <laughs> YouTube channel. He starts reacting to stuff. God, God! If 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 he gets a YouTube channel, my partner is just going to find me dead at the mm-hmm. laptop, <laughs> just like just having forgotten to eat because I've been just watching every Nicolas Cage video that's come out. God, he he would be good for Twitch. Oh yeah. Just watching like like Tommy Wazow's gaming oh, channel. God. Like just Nicolas Cage playing. I would pay like dinosaur black market dinosaur <laughs> skull money <laughs> to watch Nicolas Cage play like Dark Souls. Oh god, yes. Yeah. And then whenever he rage quits, we drink. Oh man. We just turn it into a drinking you know, game. It's such a shame that he, he he still personifies the idea of that old school star mystique we just know nothing about him though which is why this idea i think would be the, the cage inside would be quite a good idea actually i think he said that he just doesn't do i think he said like a quote is like um could you imagine me like after two bottle of wine two bottles of wine on twitter um it would be madness which i want to see nothing more 
and Cage go on a drunken Twitter rant. Um, so we can just screenshot those deleted tweets <laughs> and they'll come up years later when he's getting cancelled and I have to stop my podcast. <laughs> I I miss my octopus. <laughs> Hashtag octopus friend. Send. So yeah, so some more of his, you know, uh, previous behaviours that, that I think would set him up well for inside um on the set of bringing out the dead um he claimed that he was stalked by a mime no idea if it happened or not by the sounds of it no one saw the mime because it was and i quote too quiet <laughs> was there a random there was a random mime in vampire's yes. kiss wasn't yeah. there and the director was asked why is there a mime and his response was basically just oh. <laughs> it's new york it's new york where these kind of things happen all the time <laughs> I think probably my favourite Nicolas Cage story is that he took mushrooms with his cat um, (laughs) and this is because his cat accidentally ate some mushrooms and he didn't want him to trip on his own. That's, you know, it's it's bizarre but it is weirdly loving in its own way to share that experience with your animal. Yeah. But can you you imagine being the crow watching (laughs) that? This is why he called him an arsehole, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the cat gets mushrooms. Like, you know I don't know how phones work. I can't call the ambulance. I'm a crow. How do I explain this? Well, maybe that, ex- that explains why he thinks the crow talks to him. Yes, perhaps. He obviously tried to find the Holy Grail before, um, by the sounds of it, settling on telling the New York Times, what is the Grail but Earth itself? So maybe he will come to some more... <sighs> um, you know, really uh, self-affirming conclusions about life whilst filming his uh, special. I love Nicolas Cage so much. <laughs> I'd love to see just Nicolas Cage discovering just like cryptocurrencies and just navigating the world of crypto <laughs> finance and um, and just accidentally making a huge score and then buying the same things he had to sell back because of tax. And then getting into the same situation again. And then like, ten more years of straight to DVD cage, yes. <laughs> it begins again. Or he just he just does a sequel to every direct-to-DVD tax <laughs> Yes, give the people, mostly me, what they want. Yes. A hundred more episodes. Yeah, another season's worth of content. He's, he's going to finish that dinosaur if it kills him. <laughs> There was similar with um, Johnny Depp, right, and um, his his accounting issues. Because I think he spent something like $4 million firing Hunter S. Thompson out of a cannon. Obviously, what, after he died. Y- yeah. Um, that was height of his career, to be fair. It was a very weird expenditure. And it was the, the, the reason it was that money was... Um, so Gonzo has... Its logo is like a hand. Right. So the money was to build a cannon in the shape of that hand. Nice. And then they they fired Hunter S. Thompson's uh, ashes out of the cannon, which, uh, if anyone's listening, and you got the money, that's how I want to go. I'm well, not how I want to go. I don't want to die because someone shot Hunter S. Thompson's ashes at me. <laughs> that's that's, that's how you different conversations. But ashes out of the cannon. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm more leaning towards Viking funeral for, for mine. I thought you were talking about for me. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm I'm more I'm more leaning towards burning you on. I'm a not boat. I'm not dictating your journey to the afterlife, Ian. That's that's for you to decide. <laughs> I will I will gratefully help in any way I can. 
It's 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 between me and Johnny Depp's account. <laughs> <laughs> and the last the last um, interesting thing that's happened in Nicolas Cage's house, which we may also capture on film for for a special, uh, was the time that a uh, naked home invader stood at the foot of his bed eating a fudgesicle. Um, he apparently talked to the man until police arrived, um, so it was quite hospitable. Yep, Ian. Yes. Question. question. Um, <laughs> raised my hand there, which is very <laughs> podcast friendly. Uh, did he bring the fudgesicle, fudgesicle with him, or did he take uh, it from the, the fridge? I think the crow got it for him, actually. I think the, ah, the crow. Fair. Yeah. yeah While they were tripping, the he went out and bought some. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what, what do you want to do after you've come up from a mushroom trip is you want fudgesicle, so the crow had, you know. Obviously, all of this happened within, a, within like, a 24-hour period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some say that Cage is still on mushrooms to this day. <laughs> Oh, makes sense. And look, these aren't e- this isn't everything that I found. Um, but I went down the cagiest of rabbit holes, and it was very fucking satisfying. <laughs> what I'm trying to illustrate here is that, as again, I'm preaching to the choir here. But the, this he is one of a kind, and the world deserves to see what art he would put together if he was given a camera and many endless hours on his own, and probably with an array of exotic pets. So, yeah, Nicolas Cage inside, please. So, to continue our uh, dive into Nicolas Cage and horror, I'm sending us back to 1996. So, this film would have seen Nicolas Cage coming off of Leaving Las Vegas and The Rock. He then would have done this film and then gone into Con Air and Face Off because I think everybody needs to be reminded that Nicolas Cage did Leaving Las Vegas, The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off, one after the other. So he got his Oscar and then thought, you know what? Alcatraz. So to keep going with what I was talking about before, so I was again thinking about what do I like in a Nicolas Cage film? And what I've started enjoying is Nicolas Cage just being weird. So we've kind of entered that era of his career where he's a bit more in on, I don't want to say in on the joke, but he is aware that Nicolas Cage is now a genre, and those are the films he seems to be doing. So your your Mandy's, your Willy's Wonderlands, your Color Out of Spaces, your Unbearable Weights of Massive Talents, your uh, I Daryl will be aware of this. Graham, are you aware of Army of One? I am not. No. Nicholas Cage hunts for Osama bin Laden. <laughs> Amazing. Based on a true story. Based on a true story. Uh, no, uh, it actually is. He plays an army ranger who went to Pakistan trying to hunt Osama bin Laden. Russell Brand is in it as God. Based on a true story. <laughs> based on a true story. But no, when you're thinking of films like Mandy and Color Out of Space, you immediately think of kind of gore. So I was trying to think of a weird gory movie that we could just drop Nicolas Cage into. So I am throwing him into From Dusk Till Dawn. Ooh. So one of my favourite movie watching experiences ever was I found out a friend of mine had never heard of From Dusk Till Dawn. I then immediately got them to watch it. So I got to watch From Dusk Till Dawn with somebody who didn't realise it was a vampire movie. I mean, that's, so, that's a hell of a way to go into the, From Dust Till Dawn. It was fucking amazing. Because the vampires in From Dust Till Dawn don't appear until over an hour into the film. 
so I watched this earlier. So it is an hour, one minute, and 13 seconds into the film is your first actual vampire. Everything before that is basically a Tarantino gangster fugitive movie. And then suddenly, vampires. So <laughs> the plot from Dust Till Dawn is Seth Gecko and Richie Gecko are these brothers. They're on the run from the police in Texas. They're trying to get over the Mexican border to meet up with one of his contacts who's going to set them up with a new life in El Rey. On the way, they meet the Fuller family, who are led by Jacob Fuller, who is a priest who's fallen out of love with God. His daughter, Juliet Lewis, who also is in the Nicolas Cage conversation, I think, because she's been in some weird fucking films. And they get across the border, they go to the amazingly named Titty Twister bar, which is open from dusk till dawn. And then it turns out everybody there is vampires and they've all just been lured there. I'm still not 100% sure who I want Nicolas Cage to play. So I'm going to go through the three options and then we can uh, decide as a team. We have Seth Gecko, So that is the George Clooney character. Uh, Again, there's a lot of what if casting choices with this. Nicolas Cage is not on the list, but... Nicolas Cage adjacent John Travolta is. But you've also got Antonio Banderas, Steve Buscemi, Michael Madsen, Tim Roth, Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro, Jeff Goldblum. So this this is basically everyone that Tarantino usually has in a film, and then Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, it's the, the, the Tarantino favourites <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum. Um, reasons why I think Nicolas Cage would be a great Seth Gecko. So Seth Gecko is the the main character. He is your badass gangster guy. And at one point, he uses a pneumatic drill that he stuck a stake on the end. So that that kind of reeks of Cage to me. <laughs> Just Nicolas Cage standing there with a badly drawn tattoo on his arm, holding a pneumatic drill, killing vampire strippers. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm definitely into it. Sold, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Say no more. And then speaking of Tarantino's favourites... Quentin Tarantino plays Richie Gecko, so Seth Gecko, Seth Gecko's brother. The reason, the main reason I would want Nicolas Cage to play that character is because he is really kind of like the one weak link in the movie. Because Tarantino is a great writer, he's not a great actor, and he actually wrote from Dust Till Dawn, so he wrote it basically as a favor to a special effects company called KNB. So they wanted him to write a really over-the-top effects-driven movie so that they could show off how good they are at over-the-top effects movies. And in return for Tarantino writing the film, they provided free effects for Reservoir Dogs. Mm. It was the owner of KMB, so this guy called Robert Kurtzman, who came up with like the story of From Dust Till Dawn, and then Quentin Tarantino wrote it based on that. But KMB, this effects company, have worked on a load of films that Nicolas Cage would also have been incredible in. So Anaconda. Nice. Ooh. Mystery Men. Yeah. The The Mask. Nicolas Cage's The Mask is um... Like Like it's a <laughs> difficult one to like I like to think it will still be Jim Carrey as Stanley Ipkiss. And then when he puts the mask on, he just becomes Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's kind of like uh face on yeah face on that's what we're going for yeah i mean mean, cage is the mask given human form though (laughs) isn't he really yeah and then 
are the two films which again when i was thinking of weird stuff to put nicholas cage in these came onto the short list for it um are you aware of the film bubba hotep daryl i am because i love me some bruce campbell oh bubba hotep is fucking insane We've mentioned it on the podcast before. It is an aging Elvis in an old age home with a black guy who thinks it's John F. Kennedy fighting a mummy. Just kiss. <laughs> wow. It's Nic- has Nicolas Cage played an Elvis impersonator? He starred with Elvis impersonators and he yeah. married Elvis's daughter. So he's been so <laughs> close. Very, very close. But I can't think of him actually playing. Like It, suit- it seems to suit him. Yeah, I think Elvis is sort of the one role that he should have had by now that he's just not been given. He's had the Elvis high kicks, he's got the moves like Elvis. Um, I think just watch Wild at Heart to see that that great swinging hip action that he can offer. And raw dogging. (laughs) (laughs) So, Baba Hotep, and then finally, uh, Tusk. So, Tusk is a film where Justin Long gets uh, kidnapped by a psychopath who surgically turns him into a walrus. Yep. That's a that's a film plot. That's a film plot that exists and was based on a podcast. So we've got that going for us. Um, <laughs> Follow your podcast dreams and one day you'll get a walrus film. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, there's just a lot of, like, Nicolas Cage possibilities there. Um, but Tarantino also has ties to Nicolas Cage. So... It's a fact that I I know that I've I know that I know, but I forget every single time until it's mentioned. And it's like, oh yes, of course he did. So Tarantino did un- uncredited screenwriter work on The Rock. Oh, interesting. So there's not a lot of detail around exactly what he contributed or did, but he he did work on the script for it, which is a bit mental. I think I think they're repairing waiting to happen, but I think it's I think we're past the point where it can happen now. I mean there's one more, right? There's there's one more Tarantino film coming. Who knows? Well Who we're knows? Getting, we're getting these big films where stars I'm still I'm still holding out hope that Cage is gonna get cast in knives out too at this point because every <laughs> other bastard in Hollywood's in it. Oh fuck me, that would be good. And by that I mean it's Nicolas Cage in a film. Of course, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's never made a bad film. You can't tell me otherwise. Never. So, uh, like I said, so the the benefit of him as Richie is going to be it means Quentin Tarantino's not in the film. Um, it means we get to see Nicolas Cage turned into a vampire. All works for me, and he is a complete psychopath in the film, which is uh, right into Cage's wheelhouse. Isn't, isn't and then, he a massive pervert as well? Or am I imagining that? Uh, yes, that that as well. He is a psychopath slash sex offender. Which is is an interesting look into Quentin Tarantino's psyche that he wrote that character and then cast himself as it. <laughs> well, he got to put Salma Hayek's foot in his mouth. This is very true. That's um, that's, uh, that's that is that is the secret motivation behind the From Dust Till Dawn script. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our third choice is the character of Jacob Fuller. So that's played by Harvey Keitel in From Dust Till Dawn. So he is a priest who's fallen from God and. His family are kidnapped by the geckos and they use their RV basically to cross the border. Harvey, I, I think him as like a fallen priest would be really fucking cool. I, I think we would need to have like a future Nicolas Cage sent back for it because he, he would be kind of like an older guy. If we're going 
timeline specific i think it would have to be seth gecko really but the priest character gets a shotgun that he kind of like puts a stick through the loading bit so it forms a cross so he uses the cross and then when vampires get too close he points it at them uses the stick to reload it shoots them and then holds the cross back up it's it's everything you could want from a badass priest character it is a fucking awesome film i always forget just how much i love from dust till dawn yeah it's god those those weapons are so cool though aren't they they are really good we also have a holy water water pistol in it yeah naturally and the uh the patented cock gun or the hog gun, if you, the hog cannon, thank if you, you will. Thank you. The shot hog. <laughs> the shot hog. Yeah, so he's got the... It has the barrel, and then it's got two revolvers. That's appeared in oh. three movies? It, yeah, so it was in Desperado. Yeah. It was one of the guns in the guitar case. And it has appeared in, uh, it, I would assume, Planet Terror. Yes, I think you might be right. But, I think for me, it all just comes like we've seen Nicolas Cage thinking he's a vampire, but I just think he would be a really good like vampire hunter. Search for other vampire hunters we could kind of base him on. And weirdly, the Wikipedia page for vampire hunters has an in fiction section. So from that, I can only assume there are actual vampire hunters. So we have Blade. I, I Blade also has kind of some badass weaponry with him. You have Buffy of the Vampire Slayer fame. Uh, Van Helsing from Van Helsing. Van Helsing from Dracula. Van Helsing from... I could keep this going as well. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. So if you want your Hamilton-style musical, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is definitely up on the list. Yep. Don't you also have James Corden and Matthew Horne as well? Oh, uh, lesbian vampire killers? Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, lesbians, <laughs> um, you also have the <laughs> cult movie, which we discovered earlier, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter is a laughable cult movie where Jesus is tasked with saving Canadian lesbians from vampires. He hustles through the streets of Ottawa with a sidekick, Mexican wrestler El Santo. That was the synopsis I found. I mentioned this immediately to Graham, because even though we like to come into these episodes blind, I can't keep that information to myself. (laughs) Uh, And then Graham searched for it, but mainly, I'm fairly sure he searched for it because he didn't believe me. And then suddenly, I saw like a weight come off his shoulders and a smile crept on his face, and it was the happiest I have ever seen him. And then he said, Ian... It's a musical. <laughs> and it's free to watch on Amazon Prime. God, Amazon Prime gets some absolute <laughs> trash, don't they? Like, oh, you, God. you can put anything on Amazon Prime. Well, if, uh, if you want an example of that, just search Shark. Yeah. <laughs> the sheer amount of films that pop up on Amazon Prime about sharks. To be fair, the sheer number of films of Nicolas Cage at Amazon Prime and Disney Plus... A few Netflix ones. He spreads. He spread out there. Although I will note, Amazon gets the this period mid twenty tens trash on there for some reason. Uh, Jeff Bezos just wanted all of that and more. They've, they've got to be somewhere. Jeff, Jeff Bezos is not <laughs> picky, is he? If he be doing the Lord's work. Well, he's got. A, he's got to watch something in his uh, spaceship shaped like a giant hog. <laughs> so, 
So yeah, so if we can't have From Dust Till Dawn, I at least want Nicolas Cage Vampire Hunter. That's kind of what I think this really comes to. So for me, I think I would have him as the Seth Gecko character just because I really like the idea of him as a fallen priest shooting vampires with a shotgun cross. But also, I can't get over the mental image of Nicolas Cage holding a pneumatic drill with a stake on the end. Yeah, I'd, I'd also like to throw out, um, as uh, Nicolas Cage taking Selma Hayek's role, um, he obviously loves the snake. We could maybe, I know Werner Herzog wasn't able to convince him to bring his two-headed snake to, to set, but maybe Tarantino could. So, so Nicolas Cage yep. dancing in his underwear yep. with a two-headed snake. Yep. While Quentin Tarantino his toes. drinks tequila off of his foot. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> the final choice for me, and I'm trying to go on a similar, I guess, trajectory here of films that match the madness and the brilliance of Cage. And um, I suppose on the opposite sides of this same spectrum, you know, you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre on one side, which is just mad. And then what's the other, what's the, op- something that's different but the same on the opposite side of that spectrum, but still in its own way completely unhinged. And there is no film in recent memory more ludicrous, more unhinged, more insane, more worthy of locking someone up in a padded room with a nice hot cup of coffee from the nurse than B-movie. <laughs> um, if there's one, one film that Cage would have absolutely excelled in and elevated it is 2007's b-movie which is just it's what i mean i remember sort of seeing it not too long after it came out and i think the first screening because I, I wasn't trying to look read between the lines i just took it for what it was and i was like i was all right that yeah and then years later i think it must have been about five years ago six years ago when when we have you know we live in this post meme age where we just uncover things that we just did not clock that were weird at the time. It was like, actually this is fucking traumatic. Um, and that happened for B-Movie in spades. It became a massive meme. And it, in a number of ways, you know, I think Cage would have just added to this. He he leans into kind of the mythology of himself. He's sort of, I think, aware to an extent of how maybe an internet viewer looks at him. So I think he would have embraced this Cage has worn like meme t-shirts of himself, even though I don't think he had any idea of the context of why it was funny. He was like, I'm wearing my face. <laughs> but then we've got a film like Bee Movie, which is um, a bee that discovers the humans are making profit on honey, and none of it is going back to the workers. So really, he's standing up for the rights of the worker here, and along the way, to sue the human race, he raw dogs a married woman as well. <laughs> Um, this is a film that does not make sense. This is a film that has no rhyme or reason. This is a film that is just completely bonkers. And if you describe that to someone who'd never seen B movie, they would perform a citizen's arrest on you and throw you onto a train track because you're better off being put out of your misery, you mad bastard. <laughs> now, I, I don't necessarily know what role B because I, I think, you know, if it wasn't. We have Patrick Warburton, who voices Ken in this, who is uh, the partner of the Renee Zellweger-voiced Vanessa Blue. Renee Zellweger, who was also in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 4. As we, you know, we, we as we move on, we realise that 
Ken was the voice of reason in this. He was the only person who saw a problem with his partner going out on lunch dates with a bee. This is, this is I assume, a New York area where a full hospital bed is dedicated to a bee who is getting hooked up on a honey drip that they just happen to have. Ray Liotta has his own brand of honey in it as well. And Patrick Warburton was the only sane person in there who tried to crush the bee and kill it. And then everyone else thought, no. Uh, there's a there's a bee Larry King in this. Um, Sting's in it at some point. <laughs> I mean, Sting. of course Sting's in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think this actually, you know, goes back to something that was touched at the, at the start of the episode. That classic Cage video online, Nicolas Cage losing his shit, which is a compilation of all the screams. The greatest benefit of doing a Cage podcast is now I can name every single film what the screams are attached to, which is actually a wonderful thing, which is um, completely useless. But, you know, we'll take what we can get in this life. So Cage has become a meme. This film has become a meme. They were basically the two almost peas in a pod that were meant to be together. Again, I don't know if he needs to be a human. I don't think there were enough unhinged bees in this, to be honest with you. Even if we could have had him as a wasp, just get like an absolute, you know, sexually rambunctious raw dog in hogging wasp in there he would have stung once his little ball bees exploded and he was like oh! <laughs> <laughs> and just absolutely just just fucked to death just hogged himself to death a, a, a hero's death and knighted him on the way out it's also everything in this film is like a quote um everything is related to bees this is a Jerry Seinfeld scripted and voiced film, which is not worthy of the comedian. But this this comes around 2007, though. So this would have been around an area of time when Nicolas Cage was still dabbling in some more family-friendly films as well. So he would have done National Treasure 1 at this point. Uh, the Ant Bully, so he'd, he'd voiced um, animated works before, so he's got experience voicing insects. So it would have been just a great fit. And then in some respects you know 2007 maybe he would have taken this say instead of you know bangkok dangerous we would have been bereft of bangkok dangerous in 2008 he would have just had a year off because we didn't need bangkok dangerous we would have been but we then we wouldn't have got the greatest cage hair of all time (laughs) so i mean one of the greatest maybe he would have voiced barry b benson if i can just find some like b quotes here in in (laughs) nicholas it's like you like jazz um <laughs> i i quite like the idea of that obviously in in pig there's the whole scene in the um when they're going through the old kitchen and he's like i bet you fucks your pig and then he goes through the whole thing and it's like i i can't i'm not even gonna try uh, a nicholas cage accent with you on the podcast daryl um but he obviously has the uh i didn't i don't fuck my pig but something akin to that but with the bee fucking i think would be a kind of nice you know a nice partnering <laughs> experience between uh pig and bee movie I don't fuck my bee. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, it's it's Nicolas Cage trying to do Jerry Seinfeld. Like, this is your queen. That's a guy in woman's clothes. That's a drag queen. Is it a nut or is it a bee? Um, airline food. Whatever voice that is. That's uh, Nicholas Seinfeld, Jerry Cage. Everyone sang. Don't tell me I don't have range. Jesus Christ, these these quotes of B-movie are amazing. <laughs> Larry, bees have never been afraid to change the world. I mean, what about Bee Columbus, Bee Gandhi, Bee Jesus? <laughs> it's it, 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 it's fantastic. I mean, and what I think what I kind of like seeing that one little fact about this as well. I think there's been 
I won't say a majority, but shall we say a vocal minority who have called for a sequel to this. I think uh, Jerry Seinfeld has said that he's got no interest in making a sequel. I think he said because then it would ruin the uniqueness of the first film, which you can argue is correct. But it also kind of adds into the Cage thing that Cage doesn't really do sequels either. Um, I think the only sequels he's really done are Ghost Rider and uh, National Treasure. So this could be sort of one and done in the Cage repertoire, but we'll never get that that B sequel. And, you know, there's there's a twisted part of my brain who... I want to see that B fuck that woman. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> I just, I just, I want to see it. How does it work? It, he'd, he'd obviously, like, I, I feel like he'd buy a beehive as well. Or he'd, like, try to live amongst the bees in order to prepare for the role. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. He'd at least go to, um... He'd get, like, a hive or go to beekeepers. We'd have Nick Cage's own honey... Um, I mean, he's got the experience of Wicker Man of being stung by bees and Hoodie as well. So he, he's he's been killed by bees, basically. He's got bee previous. <laughs> so I think if, if anything was um, due to just defy logic, as this film does, the first thing in this film is the narrator saying uh, bees defy the laws of physics by being able to fly and spend the rest of the film flying like it's no big deal. Um, Nicolas Cage defies the laws of all acting because he's made his own style and normal mortals, you fucking normies out there listening to this, you don't get it. You don't understand what he's all about. I'll fight you. I'll fight any one of you. Um, threatening people on people's podcasts, great move. But I, I, it's, it's a fast. I think it would just be two fascinating blends of m- maniacal energy coming together, uh, and then Jerry Seinfeld wouldn't have a problem with it, and he'd go back to wooing underage girls, and then we just the world would keep on spinning. <laughs> and then there we go. Uh, I um, because I because of everything we said about Nicolas Cage, I was convinced he probably owned bees. So I googled Nicolas Cage bees, and it comes up with people also ask, "Is the Wicker Man funny?" <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> it's a, it's a good. Jo- I I like it. I I I feel like maybe, or maybe even like as a secret like um cameo in B movie but just him running away from the bees is as his wicker man character just in the background. I think that'd be a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, if if even if the bees are probably just like, oh like you dropped your phone and trying to do something very nice for him <laughs> through a series of hilarious mishaps they end up in that sort of bee cage going like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So I think what we're saying here is is um in a perfect world, the sequel to B movie is the remake of the Wicker Man. It's the Wicker Man from the bees' point of view. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's how it ends. Yeah. Turns out one of the bees attacking Nicolas Cage and the Wicker Man is the Nicolas Cage bee. Oh, Jesus. There's like a, a, a bee equivalent of every human. It's it's the bee extended universe. It's basically Avengers, but with Nicolas Cage and bees. They'll have their own ACAB. All cops are bees. <laughs> That's a much politer society they live yeah. in. Yeah, I, I I feel the the movie is unhinged enough that it would it would definitely suit um Nicolas Cage and his uh well I, it, just his his uh, love of animals as well. I think um I think that just really really plays into this quite well. Either that or we need a movie about crows. So one one or the other. <laughs> oh yeah, and I mean, and it's worth it's worth again just really hammering it home. B movie is a film where a communist bee fucks a married woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that exists for kids 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I assume communist bees want to, you know, share, share things around, so fucking a married woman kind of well, makes sense. Honey is the opiate of the masses. <laughs> it's um, it's just it's just a really affirming message that at a young age, it doesn't matter how old you get or what lifestyle you have, um, cucks will always be hilarious. <laughs> There's no greater joy than watching a bee fuck your wife. And I will not be answering any more questions at this time without my lawyer. So those were our choices then. So out of mine, I would probably favour... It's a surprisingly tough one. It's either a great Nicolas Cage outburst or Nicolas Cage with a pneumatic drill. I'd probably go... I think I would probably go from Dust Till Dawn over planes, trains and automobiles. Um just because literally Nicolas Cage at that time <laughs> would have been perfect for that role. Graham, what about you? Out of uh, It Follows and Nicolas Cage's Inside. Again, a tougher choice than it should be. I think as much as I want to see every persona of Nicolas Cage follow a bunch of university students who are fucking each other to ensure that they don't die, I do think whatever... The thing with Inside is we don't really know what it could be, but we also know that it could be so many amazing things. And the 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 unrealized potential of Nicolas Cage's Inside, I think, has to go number one because it could be, it, and it will be a masterpiece. <laughs> and uh, and Daryl, out out of yours, what are you uh, what are you having as your number one? I think I think just for the the possibility. Of a man's wife being fucked by a bee, I've got to go for B movie. There's too much. There's too much untapped potential there. There's too much raw dogging potential, and I can't deny myself that. And I won't do it. I'm nearly thirty. I won't do it. I won't. I won't waste the end of my twenties like this. As as a as a as a thirty three year old man who has not seen a uh, a bee raw dog a woman, um, I can tell you, you definitely need to get in before you turn 30, because after this, it's all downhill from <laughs> Well, it's, 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 it's on, like, the big, like, bucket lists, right? It's like, before I'm 30, I want to want to climb a mountain, I want to write a book, I want to see a bee raw dog a woman, I want to see a show in the West End. <laughs> so, that brings us to uh, what some would refer to as the point of the podcast. Our top three films we'd add Nicolas Cage to. So what what are we what are we saying? What has to be in there? Um I mean for me, um more people need to recognise B movie for the absolute shit house it is. <laughs> it's I still can't I can't if you explained the plot of B movie to me, I wouldn't believe you. If you explained the plot of B movie to me and told me it was a Nicolas Cage film, I would believe you. That's a fair argument. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair so, argument. For for me, that's definitely up there. I I I think I preferred it follows to inside, but also the untapped potential of just following Nicolas Cage around for eighteen months with a camera. It would either be hilarious, hauntingly beautiful, or just depressing. Which, to be fair, sums up inside. <laughs> yeah, or all three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I think realistically, the 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 top you know the the number one choices from from each of us i think make a nice well-rounded top three because obviously every top three needs a, an introspective look at isolation a man with a pneumatic drill killing vampires and a bee fucking a woman um so uh, that's why that's why i didn't get that top of the pops presenting job <laughs> out of three 
yeah, I, I, I think those three movies in, to be honest, I don't really care about the order. I want to see all of them. I want to see all six of them, if I'm really honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with those three. I'm happy to, to flip a coin or, you know, maybe you go with the old rule of thumb that if in doubt, put a bee fucking a woman at number one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, again, B, B movie is so weird. I honestly believe people would assume Nicolas Cage is in it already. So I think it's, I think it is perfect for him. Which then brings us down to the age-old question of Nicolas Cage with a pneumatic drill killing vampire strippers or Nicolas Cage in his guest house for 18 months. And it is, like you said, surprisingly tough. Would we have him sing? Oh, I, I mean, if, 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 it, if the mood, if the moment took him there, I, I don't see why not. Then I'll rephrase the question. Do we think Nicolas Cage would sing? I think he would, but I've, I'm, I was just thinking of a cage song not in the the inside context but again in my decrepit weird crumbling dark brain i was just imagining the shot is just the open sort of door of a bedroom you see just a woman going to the bed and then a bean a top hat buzzes in <laughs> the door closes and then all you hear is that song hello my baby hello my honey hello my rectangle <laughs> as it fades to black <laughs> <laughs> and then just in in like white capital letters b movie <laughs> <laughs> so i i'm gonna i'm gonna put it to you ian that i think inside needs to come second because the benefit that we get from from dust till dawn which is nicholas cage killing vampires with the pneumatic drill we cannot rule out also happening in nicholas cage's version of inside to be fair, he might also fuck a bee. <laughs> like, there's only, there's only so much the crow could take. Oh, in the words of that song, if you refuse me, honey, you lose me. So, <laughs> Okay, so the podcast nobody asked for is top three films we'd add Nicolas Cage to. Number three, we have From Dust Till Dawn. Number two, we have Inside. And number one, we have <laughs> fucking a married woman as a bee in B movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you agree with our choices, if there are other films that Nicolas Cage should be in, and there are, because like we said, the secret answer to this is all of them, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us at Patreon now at the podcast nobody asked for where one tier has us photoshopping Graham's dog into films. What, what more could you want? Um, <laughs> if, if Photoshop Nick Cage in bed with people's wives and cowards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's the next tier up, actually. Yeah. Um, if you uh, just want to question our sanity after the last hour and a half that you've just listened to, you can get in touch with us and ask us if we're okay at nobody asked for pod on twitter you can also find us there on facebook and you can find all of our wonderful social media links at the podcast nobody asked for uk. and uh, remember to leave us a review on apple podcast or Podchaser, and in your review put any future episode ideas you may have and then daryl over to you for your own social media media self-pluggery <laughs> Um, so you can find me on Twitter at cage underscore podcast. Uh, I'm on Instagram at cage rage pod. 
And you can find me on all the usual streaming services, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, um, Podchaser as well. Feel free to, um, you know, leave me a review as well. Slide into the DMs and tell me whose wife you'd like Nicolas Cage <laughs> to fuck. I'll have that conversation with you. What happens in the DMs stays in the DMs. Nicolas Cage or specifically be Nicolas Cage? Um, depends if it's before or after 9pm. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I won't tell you which way around I'm putting those. <laughs> and and for, the right, for the right price, I will use what limited Photoshop skills I have and make your uh, Cage wife fucking dreams come true. <laughs> So, uh, the, Nicola, the Nicolas Cage cuck calendar coming everywhere, <laughs> December 2021. I work for a print company, so I can make that happen. <laughs> well, on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure, Daryl. Um, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, as as we mentioned, check out Daryl's podcast. Check out the episode we did recently on Rage Last Tokarov. And yeah, tune in next week for maybe more bee fucking. I know I will. We can we can never rule it out. <laughs> that went weird places. Every everyone knew that was going to end with these. Ugh, no one asked for this. <laughs> We've lost Ian. Ian has been. <clears throat> He's been grabbed by the demon. <laughs> <laughs> it has followed him to my kitchen. Uh, I'm sorry, is... listeners. Ian has died via raw dog. I'm sorry that I've I've brought this I've put this energy into the universe. <laughs> oh, he's back. No, he's no. Ian's no. he's he's gone. I'm I'm sorry to tell you, Gray. Ian Ian has been dead for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's back. Oh, he's he lives by the by, the, that, that by the greatest just, of the golden started... hog. Everyone started sounding like robots, and then all I heard was "rog," and then it just cut out. <laughs> uh.